Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. And welcome to the Turn On The Jets 2017 Preview. My name is Scott Mason. I'll be coordinating this love fest of the 2017 season. Or is it tank fest? We're going to find out what all of the writers on TurnOnTheJets.com have to say about it. Or at least the ones that decided they wanted to participate. And the first one, the Ricky Henderson, if you will, our leadoff hitter, Johnny on the spot, is Mr. Joe Malfa. So he's going to give us his thoughts on what to expect for the 2017 season. So, Joe, let's cut right to the chase. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I know from the round table we put out the other day on the site, the other guys are a little bit more hopeful than I am that the defense and McCown will squeak out an extra win or two. But I, I definitely have the bleakest prediction you'll probably hear on this uh, podcast. I have them at 2 and 14. I have the two wins as the Jaguars at home in week four, which also happens to be Kevin Mawai's ring water induction. So that'll be a great day all around. And then. Thursday night home against the Bills in at the beginning of November. Other than that, the other easy matchups, if you want to call them that, are at the Browns, but I don't think the Browns will be as terrible as the Jets this year. Uh, maybe week one at the Bills, they can squeak something out, but uh, with Tyrod playing, you know, the Bills are also in tank mode, if you will, but they're also going to be decently somewhat competitive this year because they still have Tyrod and McCoy and, and solid pieces all around. So, it's not going to be easy for the Jets to muster up more than two wins, I don't think. Maybe if the Chargers nosedive this season, in December the Jets play the Chargers at home. Last year we saw the Chargers towards the end of the season, I think it was week 16, go at the Browns and lose because who wants to be you know, around Christmas time flying east to west against the – west to east, excuse me, playing against a bad team. So maybe that's a trap game for them. But two wins is all I see. I don't see them doing much more than that. On that note, though, I am more excited heading into this season than I think I was heading into last season because last season I, I had some, you know, some hopes that they might be able to to continue that magic from the previous year, make a playoff run, but I knew that there was a lot of room for a letdown. Going into this year, I am 100% expecting a letdown. I, I'm expecting them to be 2-14, and 14, but they do have some young pieces that I, I want to watch and I want to evaluate them and see if, they can be the building blocks of this rebuild. You got Adams, Lee, May, Williams, Wilkerson. Is, you know he's older, but he's not old. He's 27. So by the time this rebuild kicks into gear two years from now, you think he'll still be on the good side of 30. And then, I mean the list goes on. You know, offensively, I don't think after seeing what we've seen, Hackenberg is the answer. Um, but you know, Elijah McGuire is a, a fun young guy to watch. I think the receivers, none of them have emerged yet as possibly being studs, but they all have shown flashes where they can be productive and form a solid receiving core with Anderson, uh, with Hanson, with Stewart. Um, so it, it's going to be a true rebuilding year. You have a lot of young guys. They're going to be bad, but I'd rather them be young, hungry, and playing hard and bad as opposed to old, lazy, and packing it in and bad like they were last year. So I'm more excited this year than I was last year, but it seems like a very bleak outlook, 2-14, and 14. I highly recommend picking against the Jets as many times as you can in any suicide pool you're in this year, and um, that, that's about it. That's your Jets season this year. It's exciting because of the young guys, but there's not much excitement in terms of hoping for a win here and there. I don't think it goes better than 2-14. and 14. 
Do you think that part of your excitement is that last year was largely a disappointment because in 2015 they went 10-6 and six and then last year going into the season you had a good amount of the same pieces back and so people were expecting another playoffish type run and it ended up just ending badly and this year we kind of know what to expect. They're rebuilding, they've got some young players, a couple of veterans sprinkled in here and there but more or less, the Jets are kind of telling you 2017 doesn't matter, and so we can watch the young players develop, hope that a couple of them turn out the way that we want, and then look forward to the 2018 draft? Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, you hit that right on, on, on the nose. Last year, there was some of that hope, and and it just didn't happen again. They didn't, they couldn't. Fitzpatrick, he proved that it was a one-year ordeal, his, his great season. Marshall, Decker, they all went down last year. Revis, end of his career, probably won't get signed now anymore. He's completely washed up. So it was just, a, a, I think Joe Cap called it at one point uh, a, like a fast food fix, where you're hungry, you get some fast food, and then it wears off. It doesn't nourish you for the long term. That's what last year was. This year, you know, you're eating your, your organic salad, and, you know, maybe it doesn't fill you up this year, but it, it's preparing you for more long-term health. Now, the question is that, really I'm looking to answer this year are in regards to McCagnin and Bowles. Are those the guys you want leading the charge going forward? I'm kind of on the fence about it. I've always kind of stood by McCagnin because I, I think he's got a, a solid eye for talent. Not everybody has panned out, but not everybody has failed either. I mean, if you look back at his drafts, he hasn't hit really well in the middle rounds, but you know, he, he still managed to get Williams, Lee, Adams and May towards the top of his draft. So he has put some guys out there. It's not nearly enough, but this is going to be an important year, an important draft class, because if this year's rookies from Adams to May, Stewart, Hanson, all those guys, and then Lee as well as he uh, continues to blossom, if they all look good this year, then it kind of maybe further proves that uh, maybe McCadden does have the eye for talent. Maybe he knows what he's doing. And then maybe he is the guy you want going into next season with a first round, very high pick with two second round picks uh, and then and see what he can do. And as far as like the, the criticism he's gotten for his free agency signing, when he came in his first year, I think that was as much Woody telling him to sign all the big names he did as it was his own decision because they were on the heels of the, the out of control spiral that was the last couple of years of the Rex Ryan Idzik era. Um, and then you know, he had a new coach. They they wanted to bring that excitement back and and steal some headlines, you know, from the Giants in New York, and and it didn't allow him to really lay the foundation for the franchise that he wanted to build. And now I think he has that chance. And quite frankly, I don't think the relationship between Bowles and McCagden is great to the point where I would almost be okay if McCagden fired Bowles and brought in his own coach. I mean, in a perfect world, the Texans go eight and eight. Bill O'Brien doesn't see eye to eye with them. And McCagnan brings in Bill O'Brien and reunites that Texans duo. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways to go. I think I'm on the fence about both Bulls and McCagnan, but at the end of the day, uh, I think it's more likely McCagnan stays. I'd like to see what he can, what his draft pick could do this year. And Bulls, I don't know. I mean, he's a glorified babysitter this year. I almost feel bad for him because there's not much talent for him to coach for his job. So we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of questions that are going to be answered this year, but. Um, as I said before, I think the excitement for me at least is there because I want to see these young guys play. I want to see how the situation unfolds in the front office because we could possibly be entering a window to actually win because of the $90 million in cap space they have next year plus the draft pick. So 
I'm excited for what is to come. Not necessarily what is now, but what is to come. And let's talk a little bit of draft and quarterback since you talked a bit about both. Obviously, everybody knows that this is going to be one of the most important drafts in Jets history, and it is absolutely crucial that they hit on their pick, and specifically that they grab a quarterback, and not just a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. We know that that's where this is headed going into the 2018 draft, and that's why 2017, I've been joking that their Jets slogan might as well be, 2017 Jets, just wait till you see what we do in April. We're gonna hear <laughs> we're gonna hear a lot from Jeff Lloyd about this kind of stuff on draft season. And you're gonna be supplementing Jeff's audio analysis on draft season all year with written analysis, talking about all the quarterbacks and doing weekly quarterback rankings at turnonthejets.com. And we talked about this before I turned on the microphone and we started recording. You want to do a little bit of a disclaimer because your column is not meant as necessarily a prospect ranking and more of a loose guide, a power ranking type of deal from week to week. So with that in mind, here's what I want to ask you. The Jets picked Christian Hackenberg two years ago to hopefully be the guy. It hasn't worked out so far. Firstly, do you think there's any chance, I mean any chance, that Hackenberg can turn this around? And if not, let's talk about your quarterback rankings. I know that it's kind of just a running tab of where you think everybody is from week to week. It's not like a draft preview. But what do you think about these quarterbacks? And also, why don't you talk a little bit about the feature that you're going to be doing every single week throughout the season at TurnOnTheJets.com with your quarterback rankings? So I guess first I'll start with Hackenberg because for me that's the easy one. I was kind of one foot on, one foot off the Hackenberg hype train. I thought there was a chance he had the physical tools. He had that one great year at the beginning of his career in Penn State when he was in that Bill O'Brien pro-style offense. When James Franklin came to town and implemented his offense, it just went downhill. He had no offensive line. But I, I still had some slight glimmer of hope that you know maybe he, in a, in, a, in a good system, he goes back to what he was. I just haven't seen it. He, he's slow with his reads. He's inaccurate still. The issues that we knew were attached to him when they drafted him, they're still there. He's had two full off-seasons now to fix them. He hasn't. So at this point, I don't think he can be the guy at all, but he can definitely be, I think, uh, a glorified backup where, you know, if the Jets turn around and, say, hypothetically draft Josh Rosen next year, just throwing out a name, um, I wouldn't be opposed to having Hackenberg be the backup if he continues to develop. But I just think his ceiling now, to me at least, seems to be nothing more than that of, you know, of a of a career backup Dan Orlovsky type players. In in that sense, just that was the first name that came to mind. I'm not necessarily saying they're the same type of player, but in that sense, we're like, you know, he's not going to become anything special anymore. Maybe he's a good backup to whoever the Jets draft this coming season. Now, which brings me to the future you mentioned. And first, disclaimer, I think I was going to put the disclaimer on the article at some point if I started to get some feedback on Twitter or on the comments that people were confused. Whenever you read those, do not read them as my 2018 quarterback draft prospect rankings. These are simply a power ranking, kind of like what have you done, how have you been playing lately. If you go to NFL.com during the season, they have their team power rankings. And I used the example to you off there before. The Patriots start 4-0 they're going to remain number one in the power rankings. If they hit a, hit a dip and lose the next three, they might drop down to number seven in the rankings. It doesn't mean that they're not number one in the league still as far as being the best team, but they're going to be number seven in the power rankings. That's kind of the case for me. I started off my first list, my first article, 
on this topic. That essentially was my preseason draft ranking. Allen won, Darnold two, Rosen three, Luke Falk four. But now, as the season goes on, it's not going to be that. It's just going to be a performance-based power ranking. So this week, for instance, spoiler, but definitely go check out the article, too, if you have time. Um, number one is Josh Rosen. Came back down 34 in the fourth quarter, put up insane numbers. Number two and number three, Darnold and Allen, because they had mediocre weeks. But I wasn't going to drop them all the way to the bottom because of one bad week. We'll see how it goes going forward. And then Luke Falk, like I had mentioned, big fan of Luke Falk. I dropped him from 5-7, to seven, even though he was 33 for 39 with 330 yards and three touchdowns. Why? Because the other guys on that list uh, did better. So it, it's when you go into it, it's definitely a more of a power ranking, how you've been playing lately kind of thing, than a, than a 2018 ranking list for the prospects. Um, I'll get to that when, when draft season comes along, and I'm sure I'll be on the pod with uh, Jeff at some point to discuss those. Uh, but, but it is just a power ranking. And I, I'm looking forward to the draft, though, because there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, the seven guys that I've been featuring off the top of my head, I, I hope I don't miss one now. It's Allen, Darnold, Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, and Luke Falk. I got them all. So those are the seven guys that I'm really watching closely. And honestly, I could see any of them emerging as potential picks for the Jets. The only three that I could see going to the Jets, maybe in the top five, are Rosen, Darnold, and Allen. But I can definitely see, you know, because the Jets have a lot of holes in a lot of places and there are a lot of good options in this draft, I can fully see them maybe if they end up with like a two or three pick, trading back to nine or ten, taking a loop fault and picking up an extra first-round pick or two in the process. So there's a lot of options. There's a long time to go. But definitely, as you, as you mentioned before, when you teed up the question, this is going to be the year where the Jets try to find that next guy, that next Pennington or Sanchez. But hope that this guy actually sticks and is more than just a blip on the radar. Joe Malfa, a talented writer. Make sure you check out everything that he puts out at TurnOnTheJets.com, including and especially his weekly quarterback power rankings. It's a good way to kind of go through the season and chart the success and the failure of certain quarterback prospects. As Joe Caparoso is fond of saying, you never know who's going to rise or fall. Remember, guys like Taj Boyd at one point were considered top 10 picks and then end up going in the fifth round, or Brad Kea ends up getting Christian picked. Christian Hackenberg. Look, look no further than Christian Hackenberg. He was projected to be number one pick after his freshman year. So exactly. <laughs> you never know who's going to rise or fall. He went from being the next Tom Brady to the next Jake Locker or something like that in the <laughs> snap of your fingers. It was a very quick transition for him. But make sure you check out Joe's writing. You don't want to miss it between that and Jeff Lloyd, who's coming up next with draft season every week with Dalvin Nassario. You'll have a really good path to chart and know a lot about these quarterbacks as the Jets approach the draft in April. Joe, where can people check you out and follow you? People can find me on Twitter at MalfaJ98. That's M-A-L-F-A-J and the number 98. And if you follow me, you will get a steady diet of fantasy, NFL, in general, Jets, and Maryland sports. Because here at the University of Maryland, I am involved between broadcasting and writing and just about every sport. So Maryland, Jets, NFL, that's, that's basically what you'll get. I'll throw in some NHL when the Rangers get going because I'm a big hockey fan as well. Same follow, I promise. If you don't like me, then there's always the unfollow button. <laughs> well, I will continue to follow you because not only do I enjoy your work, but you promised me free tickets to a Maryland football game, so that's enough for me. <laughs> yes, whatever you want. I actually, I actually have to go pick those up tomorrow. Um, we get two complimentary tickets to every game, so whatever you, whatever you uh, 
have the time to come out to College Park, just let me know. And we started off on the right foot with a big upset at Texas Week 1, 51-41. So. As a Texas fan, I'm not thrilled about it. But, you know, <laughs> as Tom Herman said, what did you expect me to do? Wave a magic wand? These things take time. So just as the Jets are rebuilding, so are the Texas Longhorns. But you know what? I am glad for the Maryland Terrapins. I live in the area, so it's always nice to see them do well. And for my buddy Joe Malfa, for his sake, if nothing else, he works with the football team, so I'm thrilled for him to be a part of that. Joe, thanks so much for coming on and pitching in on this season preview for 2017. Thank you for having me. I think, actually, even though I've been with Carolina just for three years, this is the first time that I had time and was able to get onto a pod to hope to be on more in the future. Yeah, I hope this isn't the first time, long time. I hope this is the <laughs> beginning of a trend and you make your presence yeah. known on all the rest of the TOJ digital pods. Yes, sir. And we go from the guy who's going to be talking about the quarterbacks in college football this year in written form to the guy who's going to be talking about it every single week and has been for quite a while on audio form. And that's the host or co-host, I should say. I don't want to sell Dalvin Asario short of draft season. That is Jeff Lloyd, my favorite draft analyst. And that's not just because we share a love of the movie Major League. Jeff, how are you, man? Uh, it could not be better. Um, you know, here we are, obviously, you know, uh, the beginning of September. We've gotten our first action here. You know, we've been able to see some college guys, you know, getting their feet wet, getting the ball rolling here again. Um, look, jet season, it, it, it's uh, unlike to any other. You know, the promise is not there. But, look, you have to look. You have to look to a future. You look to what Cleveland's done. But Buffalo has joined us here at the table as far as that we understand 17's not for us and bigger, brighter days ahead. So and that's all you can hope for. And look, there's no reason to not be optimistic about the season, but it's how you're going to view your optimism. There's a bunch of young talent on this team. We want to see how they perform. We want to see guys, you know, establish themselves as part of, you know, the brick, the basement, the, you know, foundation of what is going to be bigger and better times here in New York. So, Jeff, you're a guy who scouts talent, and so you're predominantly concerned with college players and the younger talent, the guys that have come through the last couple of years. So let's talk about that. Who are you most optimistic about watching this season before we get to who the Jets may grab in the 2018 draft? I think what we're looking for this year is, you know, obviously mm-hmm. each position group, who are going to be the guys that are going to excel? For Josh McCown, if for us to look at the end of the year that he was the best quarterback on this roster, that doesn't really help things. Look, regardless, I don't believe there's any reason the Jets would not be entertaining a quarterback in the first round next year. What would be good for that scenario is that at least we have a second quarterback on the roster. Bryce Petty, obviously, look, you know, and young Kyle said, hey, my man, little brother Kyle. Yes, I do think maybe the torch has been passed as of right now. Who is the better option on this team? Maybe it's Bryce Petty over Christian Hackenberg. But either way, which either young quarterback is the majority of the rest, are they good enough? Can they at least serve as a capable backup quarterback? Maybe even start next season because you don't want to throw a young guy right into the fire week one. I can understand that. I'm more of a play the guy. But that's something you're looking at. Running back-wise, you know, every position, you want the younger guy to be the creme de la creme. Running back-wise, I don't need to see Matt Forte get 300 carries this year. Bilal Powell, there's even another guy. We're almost starting to get to the point of Bilal Powell's career where are you, you know, is he at the crest? Is it almost over the crest now? You know, Elijah McGuire, let's see some good things there. Tight end wise. You know, obviously also Safarian Jenkins, 
promising guy, but at the end of the year, his contract may be up. Jordan Leggett, obviously, we're not going to see him week one when he does play. Will he prove that, you know, we've got a future foundation piece at tight end? Offensive line, Brandon Shell, we'd like to see him be one of the top offensive linemen on this team. Defensive line, Leonard Williams, linebacker, Deron Lee, cornerback, Justin Burris. It'd be great to see him be the best, you know, the best cornerback on this roster or the second best cornerback on the roster this season. Obviously, the young safeties. We want to see Adams. We want to see May. Is this good enough? Are these two a are these two a duo? So is that not something that needs to be worried about next year? As far as you know, mm-hmm. do we need to draft a starter? We have our two guys in place. We're only looking for role players from that point on. That's what you're looking for, and you want to see these young guys look around and, and, and stake the claim for themselves, stake the claim for each other. That's that's what you need. I mean, we need there's pieces in place that can solve a lot of the problems. If these guys grab that torch and go ahead and do it, that's what we need to see. So let's talk record here. Joe Malfa thinks 2-14. and 14. I want to know what you think the Jets are going to finish with. And also, do you think that part of the reason that some Jets fans like Joe Malfa and like yourself seem a little more excited than most people would assume for a team that everybody thinks is going to be bad is because... Last year, based on 2015, there were expectations, and those expectations were not met, and the team ended up being bad when we thought they might be good. This year, we know they're not going to be good, but there are so many guys on the team that may have some potential that the whole season kind of becomes about watching them and seeing how they develop. So what do you think about the record, and what do you think about 2017 versus 2016 in terms of how excited you are and other fans may be? The thing with 2015 is, look, they, they tried a carbon copy of what almost got it done in 2015. And you go back to the two Buffalo game, and look, they won both those games. The Jets would have been the number one seed in the playoffs. It would have went through MetLife. Obviously, the Buffalo games didn't work out. With 2016, what you look at, you know, the repeat, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't getting away with the same throws. Uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker as well, getting another year older. They weren't, you know, they played well. They almost, to the point where you say they dominated the 15th season. That play was not there. Uh, the offensive line play obviously definitely dropped in 16, which is a key to everything. You know, obviously, Mo Wilkerson was re-signed. Everybody was happy. But what nobody realized is that Mo Wilkerson's injury and rehab carried so far in that he was kind of a shell of himself as opposed to 15. This year, if we're going to look at it record-wise, look, Jacksonville maybe is a win. If you want to say maybe we can split a Buffalo game, maybe that's kind of cognizant of whether or not how much Tyrod Taylor plays for them. Yeah, I can't go higher than 2-14, and 14, higher than 3-13. and 13. Um, It was a little odd the last couple of days. You know, obviously the curse trade, I like the way everything worked out. And the reason I like curse coming into this scenario is here's a guy who busted his tail to get any level of success in the NFL – and when you look at Robbie Anderson, when you look at Hanson, when you look at Stewart, look, none of these guys are first-round picks. They weren't even second-round picks. All these guys are fighting and clawing, you know, to get there. So a good guy to mentor them was a guy like, you know, Curse who came on over from Seattle with a Super Bowl title, a Super Bowl title under his belt. The Curly addition, I, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, Jeremy Curley's going to come here looking to do things to enhance Jer- Jeremy Curley's career further. Curse, maybe it's more of a, I got $3 million this year, I got $5 million next year, even though none of it's guaranteed. He maybe understands his role as the veteran trying to show the way to other guys. 
Curse may be playing, or I mean, Curly may be playing for yet another deal after that. I'll go, I mean, maybe you see 3-13, and 13, and with a deep quarterback class, that really is not going to alter things bad, because you're talking anywhere, you know, a couple of mocks lately, recently with five to six quarterbacks in the first round. But it, I just, as much as I think the defense is tough and they will play well, when you're asking these guys to be on the field for over 40 minutes a game, there's no defense that can withstand that. You just mentioned the quarterback class, and everybody's talking about it. We're hearing comparisons to the famous Roethlisberger, Manning, and Phillip Rivers class. Who knows? It remains to be seen. But the three guys, obviously, that everybody talks about first and foremost are Rosen, Darnold, and Josh Allen. Josh Rosen is the one who got off to a quick start, and everybody's talking about him right now. But let's talk quarterback. Jeff, as you know, I watch plenty of college football, but I lean on you heavily for your opinions because you see things in a way that most people don't as somebody who scouts this talent round the clock. Now, here's what I want to know. Number one, any chance, any chance at all, and I asked this to Joe Malfon, and I asked this to everybody, any chance that Christian Hackenberg can still somehow find it and become the guy, and if not, where do the Jets go? Where do you see this going? Do you see it being Rosen, Allen? Is it going to be Darnold? Will they maybe trade back? And this is something Joe Malfa talked about and grab Luke Falk. Who do you think might even be the best fit from your perspective of all of these quarterbacks? Rudolph, any of them. Lamar Jackson for the Jets because obviously this is all about 2018. I keep saying it and I will keep repeating it. The Jets slogan should be, the 2017 Jets will see in April. So when we do see them in April, where do you see this going? Because the Jets cannot afford to miss on this pick. It's arguably the most important draft pick in franchise history. Well, I mean, there's a lot of valuables here. And look, Josh Rosen, it was a fantastic second half, second half after the other day. Obviously, you know, the first half, look, he did not play very well, but a lot of that was on the, you know, talent around him. The offensive line, but what was the exciting thing? And now what you think about now with, obviously, you know, Morton here as the offensive coordinator coming with his, you know, background from New Orleans, is what goes on down in New Orleans? They survive and they live off of Drew Brees, 600 pass attempts a season, you know, guaranteed book at 5,000 yards a season. He's going to throw. He's going to throw. He's going to throw. He's going to throw. He's going to throw a lot. 50 attempts in, a, you know, a game where they need to keep close or to win. And that's what you see from Rosen is he will continuously throw. He can make all the throws. You know, it technically sounds, you know, uh, I just, you know, as far as, you know, the way it look, you know, your form. Josh Rosen's got that. Island out of Wyoming, fantastic arm talent. It's really good. Some guys, and a lot of the bigger names are much higher on him than I think, you know, and I'm not calling them than they should be. You look at his biggest game last year, San Diego State you know, a uh, conference championship game, making throws that you would get on a high school junior for making. You don't throw the ball from one hand to the other. You just don't do that. And now, first game this year, and this may be the biggest game you're going to assess him in because I was pretty much the biggest talent he's going to face this year. Look at what happened. You know, struggle. Um, you know, Mark Schofield, who I love over inside the pylon, refers to him as, you know, Nuke Lelouch. He's got the fastball. But the problem is, does he have everything else? Does he have the curveball? Does he have the touch? You know, even the screen pass that was picked by a D lineman, that stuff. It's, it's fundamentals that makes you really, really, you know, worry about, you know, can he pick that stuff up long-term? A la uh, Brock Eisenberg, right? Uh, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, it functions well. I don't think anybody reads better 
I don't think anybody goes from progressions faster. But, you know, here's a guy, it, it seems like Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold very quietly is kind of happy where he's at. Look, if he puts up the monster numbers this year, he may be put into a position where he has no choice but to declare, you know, any kid who's going to turn down going top five in the NFL draft is just foolish with the injury risk that goes along with this. Um, but Lamar Jackson, the most exciting, exciting quarterback of this group, you know, obviously has the legs that can make the play which is always something that makes me just a little bit nervous when you run that much and you have that ability, you know, the injury factor is there, you know, a la Robert Griffin, you know, maybe Jackson shows more promise as a passer right now. But I mean, you look at what he did against Purdue. I mean, 35 yard lasers, these balls were not getting more than 10 to 12 feet off the ground, splitting two defenders look fantastic in his first go around this season. And there is the Fox of the world. There is the Rudolph of the world who are safe guys, you know, maybe more Andy Dalton types, which aren't going to hurt you. you know, obviously, Andy Dalton takes a lot of flack. Guy won two, three conferences up there since at this point. So a fantastic group. And even if Christian Hackenberg can somehow, and, and look, we don't know how much he's going to play, and I don't even know if we saw 16 games, and even if you put up maybe 3,600 yards with a completion percentage over 60%, you know, 20 to 10 touchdown-interception ratio, I still don't even think that would be enough where you could say, I cannot go away from not drafting the quarterback. You know, just a lot here, and with a deep quarterback class, I mean, all signs have to be at that position come April. Jeff, that is the type of analysis that I have become accustomed to hearing from you. It's top-notch, and it's something that you can get every single week with Dalvin Asario on draft season, and you can follow Jeff on Twitter. Jeff, give us the 411 on draft season and how people can follow you year-round on social media. Uh, obviously on uh, iTunes, uh, Draft Season, D-R-A-F-T-S-E-N. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Draft Season, same handle. Um, uh, obviously, at Jeff underscore L-J underscore Lloyd. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, for me, it was a huge year. I was about to watch my Florida State team contend. Maybe my general bias for Florida State this year may have ended quickly, so it's strictly full-on all about the college game this year. Tough break, but look, I mean, that's the kind of way it goes. Uh, just really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, guys, you know, noon to midnight every Saturday, we've got quarterbacks to watch. Obviously, we have a lot of other holes. Those things will become addressed now with two second-round picks. Uh, obviously, the Jets also possess two fifth-round picks, so eight picks in this draft uh, coming up. I mean, it's, I'm sorry, nine. It's, you know, time to watch. Pick out your favorite college football players. Come at me. Let me know what you think, and I'll give you a Jeff Lloyd, I'm telling you right now, by the time this college football season is over, you're going to probably block my phone number because I'm going to be calling and texting you so much, picking your brain. I'm really looking forward to talking pigskin with you all year, and I'll tell you something. I never miss draft season, and you shouldn't either, so make sure you subscribe right now and pick Jeff's brain all year on social media. He's very interactive. He'll answer your questions, and he's got great insight. He's my favorite draft guy, and I'm not just saying that because we're friends. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on this 2017 season preview. Scott, always a blast, man. Love talking with you. You know that, buddy. And from my favorite draft analyst, we go to my favorite Jets writer. And I'm not just saying that because we're on the same site together. I never miss any of his feature stories because he's a very talented writer. And quite frankly, I think that any of the New York publications would do themselves a favor by hiring this guy as a columnist. He's David Aiken. 
He's one of the ace columnists for TurnOnTheJets.com, and he's here to give us his preview of the 2017 season. David, how's it going, man? Good. Flattering intro. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to live up to it in audio form now, and you can do that by telling me right off the bat what's going to happen this year. What do you think? Grim, honestly. Uh, I mean, most of the predictions, I mean, from the site were between, you know, two wins to six wins. And you're already not talking about a great ballpark there. Um, but I think just in terms of all the players that were released, I mean, some like Revis and arguably Harris to some extent weren't really producing, and Marshall's a down year. When you get rid of players like Decker, um, and I mean, and even Fitzpatrick, comparing him to Josh McCown, it's, uh, he's maybe a little better, and you're and you even even he's more reliable in terms of health, which is not saying much. Um, but really, the roster from top to bottom is not strong, and there's very few uh, strong positions. Just defensive line, really. Um, maybe you know we like the young depth at receiver. Offensive line's questionable. But really, I, th- I think what it comes down to is, I mean, defensively, we expect a, a relatively respectable unit. The run defense is still going to be elite, even without Sheldon Richardson. It's been a strong area, and most of the front seven players are kind of more geared toward defending the run anyway. Um, I think the key defensively is, I mean, the safeties, see how they settle. It's got, there's going to be ups and downs. We expect them to make more plays uh, than we received pre, uh, prior years from, well, Calvin Pryor um, and uh, Marcus Gilchrist. But I think the key is, I mean, the development of, of Justin Burris is something to watch. But um, one of the underrated pickups here is Mo Claiborne. He's interesting because I kind of look at him as uh, kind of the, the same thing with uh, – with Josh McCown on offense, I'll get to that in a minute. But in terms of Mo Claiborne, he's he had a great year in Dallas last year for what he played. I think it was about eight or nine games, um, and that was that was new for him. He's, he struggled a lot with injuries there. Um, but the Jets are hoping that he's going to carry that in to to this year and really be a number one corner that you can build the other pieces around. And then in that sense, that's a spot where the Jets would actually be a lot better than they were last year. And that's really going to be a way that they can, they can, you know, instead of two or three wins, maybe five or six wins, kind of really over, uh, over uh, beating expectations kind of that way. Um, but in terms of what I mentioned about, you know, kind of what the Jets are hoping with Josh McCown, at least, you know, as he opens the season, is that he's at least been in the NFL and behind him, like the, the drop-off is potentially so, so strong that um, – the Jets, you know, could have one of the worst offenses, uh, not even in their team's history, but league history, especially if Hackenberg, given how he's played in the preseason, gets significant time. Um, and so that's kind of a thing where if you look and you say best-case scenario, like five wins, six wins, you're also really kind of expecting like a full 16 games from players that you really don't, you can't really expect that from uh, given their track record. You've been a Jets fan a long time. I think all of us at TurnOnTheJets.com have been a big fan of the Jets for a long time, except maybe for Kyle because I think he was born a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get to him (laughs) in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask you this question because there has been such a divide, and I wrote a piece about this at TurnOnTheJets.com, between fans that are embracing the quote-unquote tank, the idea that you want the team to just lose so they get the best draft picks possible and rebuild that way, 
and the fans that are saying, okay, I can't root against my team on purpose. If they go 6-10, and 10, so be it. They go 6-10. and 10. There's been a lot of debate back and forth, and I kind of see both sides of it. I'm one that doesn't want to tell anybody else how to be a fan. I think that being a fan is something that's different for everybody. But from your perspective, what do you think? Are you pro-tank, anti-tank, somewhere in the middle? I mean, it's, it's a difficult question just because, I mean, as a fan, I've never rooted against, I mean, it's, it's interesting what we do because I find that being analytical has helped me get through what are some really tough times as a fan in general, instead of just kind of being angry and why are these happening? You kind of look at why they happen and try to figure out what they can do better. Um, but in terms of am I pro or anti-tank, I, I mean, ideally, you, I'm, I can't actively root for them to lose. But if you look at like the macro, they really haven't built themselves or surrounded themselves with much talent. And you say, even if the Jets win, you know, four or five games, it's hard, always hard to talk about quarterback classes from a year out, especially this early. But if, if you know, if the early hype is that there could be you know, four or five guys in round one, and you can you know, ballpark it in that way and say, you know, if we're not, if it's two wins, we might get the top guy. If we're four or five wins, maybe we're in a position to get one of the top guys, like, you know, three or four if it's a good class. But, I mean, it is it is hard to kind of outright tank and say we're going for pick number one just because 16 games, it can be so variable. Um, there's a piece on uh, 538, it was Ty Schalter, who has been on Joe's podcast, uh, Slight Work. Uh, he kind of pointed out that if you look at the stats, teams that, that are, you know, when, when the Lions were 0-16, you know, with the Browns last year, 1-15, they're not, you know, zero win, one win teams in terms of performance. They've they've suffered unfortunate or bad luck in addition to just uh, to not being good. So you have that element on its side, and that, and that's kind of it's difficult, you know, to to say the Jets are just going to get the first pick. You really so in terms of just like the tank, it's hard as a fan. You really can't expect expect them to lose all their games, even if they're going to be bad too. And you, I think Joe always puts it best when he says, you know, root for them to be as best as they can, but the losses are going to hurt a lot less given that you don't, you can't really expect that much from the team. How excited are you scale of one to 10, given the fact that expectations are so low? I know Joe Malfa started things off. He was the Ricky Henderson of the group. And he said that he was really excited this year as opposed to last year because he likes the idea of being able to watch young players develop and obviously the idea of the Jets possibly going into next year's draft and getting their franchise quarterback that has eluded them basically since Joe Namath. Talk to Jeff Lloyd before you as well. And he's obviously excited because he's a guy that scouts these guys and that's his thing. And so he's really excited to watch a lot of these guys that are young and just came through the draft process over the last three years. Plus, he also wants to see the Jets have a high draft pick, and then it'll be a lot of fun for him on draft season with him and Dalbin to kind of analyze where the Jets should go. Do you see that as something that could be fun and maybe a little bit of a silver lining to what might otherwise be a painful year of Jets football to watch? Yeah, I mean, if you if you adjust your expectations from the start, I mean, compare it to last year, where a lot of people thought the Jets were going to be a playoff team, um, and then it falls apart very quickly. And then you really you're kind of rooting. Well, maybe they'll, they'll play Petty and he'll do something, or maybe you know they'll get the ball to Robbie Anderson a lot, or something like that. Or you just kind of hope Quincy Nunwa keeps going off. But you know your your hopes are really dashed from the start, and it's you know by September your season is over. This, I mean, I'm. 
it definitely allows for those things. I mean, even to watch college early on, I don't do that really that often. I usually get into the college season later on. Um, but I'm excited to do that from the start this year, watch Rosen, for example, earlier in the week, you know, things like that. Um, but I guess the one, the one kind of thing I'm fearing in terms of even my expectations being even worse than that is that if, if the Jets end up relying on Hackenberg and he's really as bad to say, you know, McCown is hurt after two or three games and Petty, whose injury history is not that great either. Um, you know, if both of those guys are out by midseason and it's like eight games of Hackenberg and he's really just struggling to the level that he was in those last preseason games, and it's really, it's really not going to be that different. Uh, than it was last year, where the the offense is, is so is struggling so much, it's going to be hard to evaluate uh, evaluate anyone. Gut feeling. Come next season, which of the following three guys, if any, are still here? Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnin, Christian Hackenberg. Whew. I, I give McCagnin more wiggle room. I think Todd Bowles has got a pretty raw deal here. Um, and it would be interesting to see if he's judged quote unquote fairly in terms of the defense kind of plays well. And I mean, maybe he gets some luck with McCown and the Jets win, you know, five, six games and it's, uh, it's seen as a good coaching job. But I mean, this feels like that from, from up, from, from Woody Johnson's level that McCagnin has gotten some sort of assurance that he can do this, which leads me to believe that. Uh, he there's a chance he is safe, but I mean, if it's as bad as say, you know, one win, two win season, and McCagnin's prized quarterback is, or quote unquote prized quarterback, Christian Hackenberg is kind of the symbol of one of the worst seasons in Jets history. I think Woody Johnson will look at, you know, I think it's 80, 90 million in cap space, possibly the first overall pick, and and uh, over I think it's nine picks we're at right now for 2018, and just hit the reset button because. That should attract, ideally, that should attract a, a caliber of either a coach or a GM. I know some some well-respected GMs have been have been fired the past year, um, and into really starting from scratch and having the means to really build something, starting with a quarterback. And I think that that'd be something interesting to watch out for, especially if it's you know one in seven, one in eight early on, or they haven't won a game. If it's even a, a mid-season decision. But I would say uh, Hackenberg, if the Jets change coaches, I don't think there's a chance he's even around. Um, uh, McCagnin, probably the best shot. But uh, my gut feeling, I mean, would be all three of them are not here uh, once the season ends. If that is the scenario that occurs, what would you do and what do you think the Jets will do? That is interesting. Um, if it were me... I would go for one of the GMs that has just been fired because I would just they just need to add talent. They need to be methodical doing that and getting someone that can be trusted to build a team. I know that uh, he was fired under uh, unceremonial circumstances. Well, this applies to both Scott McClellan. It seems it seems he might just be out of the game. No one really knows what that would happen there. If he's if the discussions are strong and, and he's someone that they feel that like they could trust, uh, maybe you roll the dice there. But I, w- I would give the shot to the. Uh, the GM, the Panthers, just fired Gettleman, give him a shot. Um, what I think the Jets would do, I think they're, they'd try to, Woody Johnson would try to put his chips on, you know, maybe a, a big-time hire in terms of a head coach like Gruden, you know, try to do something crazy, like try to get a Harbaugh from, from Michigan, which I, which would, I doubt would ever happen. Um, but I think in the end it might be it might be the same thing that's happened the last few times where it's a searching firm and, and they try to get, you know, 
ask some football people and it's, you know, whoever, whoever we end up with, we end up with. For everybody that was always wondering, you now know David Aiken can write and he can talk too. So he matched his written form with his audio form. Always a treat to hear from him. If you don't read his feature columns at TurnOnTheJets.com, you should be ashamed of yourself. Go read them now. There's some of the best things you're going to read about the Jets. Trust me. He's always got interesting takes. They're always well written. And if you're not reading them, you're really missing out. David Aiken, thank you so much for joining me on this 2017 season preview. Scott, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. And now we get to the youngest member of the TurnOnTheJets.com staff, and that, of course, is one half of the tandem that is Ben Blessington and Kyle Fahey, the co-hosts of the Jet Take, our newest podcast. It's a live call-in show every single Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. They've had some great guests on, including Kelvin Beecham, Austin Safarian Jenkins, and Santonio Holmes, which was a huge interview and a great one, too. Really happy to have Kyle Fahey here to preview the 2017 season as part of this big extravaganza that we're doing. Kyle Fahey, first of all, is it true that you were born two weeks ago? Because that is the rumor that's being passed around at the Turn on the Jets offices. Listen, um, my ink is not done drawing on the birth certificate, so I can either <laughs> confirm or deny that statement right now. But all I can say is um, I, I don't know. I don't know at this point. I may just be an android. Could be. And you know what? If you are an android, you might actually be the best possible option for the New York Jets at quarterback this year. So let's get into it right off the bat. 2017 Jets. What do you think? Oh, uh, it's not going to be a pretty year, Scott. Uh, I think I've stated that a lot over the offseason. I'm a draft guy, obviously, like DA and Jeff. We're all draft guys. I, I just can't wait for draft season to come around. We need to get a quarterback in-house. Josh McCown, he's going to get us three or four wins this year. It's not going to be pretty. We're going to rely primarily on the defense. Our playmakers are Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson. And, you know, we're just looking for the young guys to really develop this year. You know, this is uh, just one of those years where you get called up, you make a name for yourself, and we're going to build on it. We're going to build our core from the guys we have currently on the roster. Um, but it's just not going to be good to watch. you got to understand the bigger picture as a Jets fan. I know there are some people – out there who are like, oh, you can't root for them to lose because of well, whatever reason they have, individual reasons, maybe some bias. But at the end of the day, we don't have a quarterback. Uh, as much as a Bryce Petty fan I am, I don't think he's the savior. To get a quarterback, you usually have to have a top-five pick, and the Jets are probably going to end up with a top-five pick anyway. Let's just build with the talent we have, get over this year, just rip the Band-Aid off. Let's do it now rather than later. Um, just progress from here any players on this roster that you're especially excited to watch other than the obvious the guys that were on your show namely austin safarian jenkins uh, and kelvin beecham well, all right well you took austin safarian jenkins from me that was actually going to be my number one guy regardless <laughs> of him being on the show um i'm excited to actually have a good tight end on the roster but uh, besides him uh I'll, I'll be a little biased my boy marcus may gator boy um so I, I'm really looking forward to how he catches up to the speed of the game. Uh, I think he performed pretty well in the preseason, made some nice tackles, did pretty good in single high, which is something the Jets haven't had in a very long time, probably since Kerry Rhodes, uh, former guest of the Play Like a Jet podcast. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a long time. So Marcus May, rookie, second-round second pick, hoping one of those second-round picks pans out for us. 
I think he could be the guy. So I'm really looking forward to him. Uh, I'm looking forward also to see how like our young linebackers in general perform. And I hate to like kind of have a blanket statement here, but we have a lot of young guys, as I said before. <laughs> you know that linebacker core: Josh Martin, Julian Stanford, Deron Lee. Deron Lee is yet to earn his name. Uh, Julian Stanford, he's bulked up. He still has phenomenal speed. Just one of those athletic guys, you know, much bigger now, as I said. Let's see if he can put it together mentally. And Josh Martin coming off a really, really good preseason. I, I just want to see how he can do it against starters in the NFL on a consistent level. Um, so I'm looking for those young linebackers to really step up. And probably finally, um, offense, not a lot to look forward to besides ASJ, Bilal Powell. I got to go Brandon Shell at right tackle. I want to see how he develops throughout the year. Uh, had a solid rookie campaign for the time he played last year. Did well in the preseason this year, an exception to one play. And I'm not even going to necessarily blame that on him. But um, I'm really looking forward to his development. And McCagnan kind of has the niche for finding those late-round guys, undrafted guys. And I'm hoping Brandon Shell could be like the first one we can really stamp on paper besides Robbie Anderson as, hey, look at – Look at what we found here. A lot of guys weren't even interested in Brandon Shell as a prospect. So those are the individuals I'm looking forward to. Looking towards the end of the season, a lot of people have talked about this, and I just talked to David Aiken about this. There's the tank versus no tank thing. Everybody's arguing over it. I wrote a piece at TurnOnTheJets.com about it. I've been a season ticket holder for 30 years. I really don't feel like anybody has the right to tell me how to root for the Jets, and I don't think I have the right to tell anybody else. But from your perspective, would you say that it's better for the Jets to tank? Is it something where even though you realize it's in their best interest, you just can't bring yourself to root against them? Or are you just going to happily sit there on Sunday and say, you know what, lose all the games that the Jets can, get the top pick, Rebuild this whole thing from scratch. You got $90 million in cap space, and let's go. My point of view is a little different from that, but kind of the same, and I'll explain that. You're, I'm going to be under the category of pro tank. You know, get your quarterback. Don't be like the eighth pick and draft Saquon Barkley. Like, great player. What does he do for us in the long run? Now, I just don't think the Jets are going to be good. So it's not a matter of me wanting them to lose. I just don't think they're going to win. So, and I know, I know Mike McCagney is thinking that, whether he's going to admit it or not. I know Tom Bowles is thinking that, whether he wants to admit it or not. They, come, they can come out here and say, oh, we're confident in the guys on the roster. Your moves, aren't, your moves are evident that you're not making that true. Your moves are evident that you want to lose. Your moves are looking forward to the future. Otherwise, you wouldn't get rid of Eric Decker. Otherwise, you wouldn't get rid of David Harris. They're not trying to win. They don't have the talent to win, unfortunately, and it's second to a couple guys who, like I said, we build upon as they progress in their NFL careers. So I guess align me with pro tank. Obviously, I don't want to see my team lose, but I know it's best in the long run. So as you said, swallow the medicine. You know, that quarterback will just be that cup of sugar that we need to make the medicine go down. What do you think it would take for the Jets to somehow shock everybody and be a lot better than everybody thinks. And I'm not even talking about necessarily a playoff run. I'm saying going 7-9, and 8-8, eight eight, something like that, like what happened in Chino Smith's rookie season. What do you think we would have to see for that to happen? Believe it or not, I did, Josh McCowan have to stay healthy or play the whole year. Um, I think Josh McCowan is the worst starter in the NFL, but I also think he's a starter for a reason. He's capable of getting you four or five wins. Now, I don't think he'll stay healthy for a year, 
And I think eventually when the Jets are sitting at, you know, maybe, you know, like 3-11 and or something towards the end of the year, whatever it may be, um, they'll probably throw in Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg. So I think those are two losses that Josh McCown isn't really, you know, involved with. But if Josh McCown starts the whole year, which I don't think he should, and if Josh McCown stays healthy the whole year, which I don't think he will, the Jets will probably end up getting four, five, six wins because I think the defense actually has enough to like win these games against the Bills, possibly against the Dolphins, you know, probably against some of these teams. Like I said in the recent roundtable, we may catch a couple teams injuries, like riddled with injuries, like last year with Baltimore, or they just may have a down week. They may be resting players. I know we play New England towards the end of the year. That's a possibility. It's um, if Josh McCown starts the whole year, we could probably win four, five, six games. And I think to the average NFL fan who doesn't pay attention. And, you know, they just listen to the headlines and, you know, look, oh, yeah, the Jets are going 0-16, 1-15. That's, it might happen, but it's unlikely to happen. And they'll, they'll take four or five wins as a good year for the Jets. If I were to tell you that at the end of the season, on the NFL Network's top 100 players and on the Pro Bowl roster, that there were three Jets, one of them is obviously going to be Leonard Williams. If <laughs> you had to pick two... To go with Leonard Williams, that would be in the top 100 on the NFL Network's countdown or be in the Pro Bowl or both. Who is going to be the surprise? Because obviously everybody's thinking Leonard Williams will make the Pro Bowl, but nobody else. So who else do you think could surprise people and maybe have that kind of a season? Um, first, I'll go with my boy Austin Sperry and Jenkins. I generally believe he's one of the better tight ends in the NFL. I don't know how the quarterback play is going to affect them. Obviously, the two-game suspension is not going to be in his favor but still, 14 games, you know, even with the low average quarterback play, just get into the red zone like once or twice a game. You can find that dude. He's committed now. We've told the story over and over. You guys get the point. He's a good player when he's offensive, Ian Jenkins. So I think that could be a guy who kind of emerges and will be like a top 10 tight end in the NFL by the end of the year. And uh, besides that, it's kind of hard. Likely James Carpenter, because I think. NFL writers and, you know, NFL fans are actually starting to pay attention to him and how good of a player he is. Truly, probably our second-best player on the roster, an exception to Leonard Williams. So I would have to go James Carpenter. I would have said Muhammad Wilkerson, but um, I I just don't know if he'll make the Pro Bowl. I think he'll have a good year, but I think he's going to have to have, like, a really good year because we're Jets fans. We all know Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, Educated NFL fans know who Muhammad Wilkerson is, but at the end of the day, the Pro Bowl is fan voting. And I guarantee you a lot of individuals do not know who Muhammad Wilkerson is. So the end of 2017 comes, and the Jets head into the offseason. you got the draft, you got free agency. We know the Jets have a lot of money to spend. We know they've got some draft picks, and presumably they will have high draft picks. So we know they have to draft well and get a quarterback, and we know they have to spend their money wisely. But what are some of the intricacies of what you would like to see them do that you think would set them on the right path and make them successful heading forward into 2018 and beyond? Um, if I'm going to be specific, I would go ahead and draft Josh Allen basically at all costs. We have two second-round picks. It's not going to be extremely hard to move up. You're not going to lose a lot. Um, I would get my quarterback and Josh Allen right there. I'll talk about him in depth you know, on a later date. Um, and free agency – got a lot of money you got a lot of money but we also have a lot of free agents who we need to resign guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins being one of them and he has this season like I think he will you got to resign him so you got to resign the guys in-house 
uh, before you go out in the free agency, obviously, like we did with Brian Winters this year, deserved or undeserved, still debatable. Um, in free agency itself, though, I, I would definitely look at a guy like Allen Robinson. I think he's a true number one. Um, you pair him with, you know, Allen Robinson, re-sign Quincy Numa. I believe he's a restricted free agent next year, but still get him an extension. He's a good player, regardless of him being a number one or not. He's a playmaker. I like Quincy Numa. I like him. He's a part of this new Jets culture. And then Robbie Anderson. That's a formidable three. That is a good three deep wide receiver right there. And obviously the young guys behind him, Jalen Marshall, et cetera, who's ever on the team next year. And then Austin Sabrina Jenkins, suddenly your receiving core is one of the best in the league. So now you got your receivers, you got your quarterback. Um, Matt Forte will probably be gone, probably be Bilal Powell. If you want to go after Le'Veon Bell, go ahead. He's proven he's not going to put uh, the team first. He's going to put himself first in this offseason. Obviously has issues off the field, uh, failing multiple drug tests. So I don't know whether I'll look at him, you know, with full, you know, just ready to write a check. Obviously, he's a great player, but there are definitely some key things that the Jets have been, you know, trying to stay away from him, like Sean Richardson, guys like that. Le'Veon Bell is in his category. So I, I would just look for some key role players who are young, um, like Allen Robinson, so you can get on this offense, make it a lot better, and get your quarterback. Spend your money wisely, get your quarterback. He's one half of the tandem known as Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington, the Jet Take. They are our newest podcaster, call-in show, live every single Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Make sure you tune in. Real glad they're aboard. you got to make sure that you call in and give Kyle and Ben a little bit of hassle. That's what I like to do on Wednesday nights. I always make sure I call up and rattle them a little bit and talk some Jets past and present. Always a pleasure. Kyle, tell everybody how they can interact with you and how they can find you. Yeah, Scott, thanks for having me on. First of all, really enjoyed the talk. Uh, you can follow me at Kyle Faye NFL. No, I'm not just Jets. I'm also slightly sarcastic and a lot of comedy and a lot of film breakdown. You know, usually around draft season, you'll start me pick up with the film breakdown. So if you want all that, you follow me at Kyle Faye NFL. Um, if you want to listen to my podcast, follow at the Jet Take on Twitter. We have the link for iTunes and stuff all in there. Or you can just go ahead and search the Jet Take on iTunes, YouTube, any podcatcher you can think of, Google Play, SoundCloud, we're there. Um, and to specifically promote, we had a special edition episode for the Sheldon Richardson trade. I don't know when you guys will be listening to this podcast specifically, but I'm sure it will be within a week of the Sheldon Richardson trade. I was with Scott and D.A. Osario. Obviously, Scott's on the other end of this conversation. You can go listen to that. I hosted that one. We talked about the Sheldon trade, You know, our 53-man roster, waiver pickups, all that good stuff. So, yeah, just uh, search the Jet Take, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, all that good stuff, whatever the kids are on nowadays. And, uh, Scott, thanks for having me on. And our 2017 season preview wouldn't be complete without the man who makes everything we do all possible. He's the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-encompassing being of TurnOnTheJets.com. That, of course, is Joe Caparoso and his number one lieutenant and soon-to-be city councilman in Maryland. That is Dalvin Asario. And Joe, I believe before we get going, since Big Money follows you everywhere, this segment is brought to us by somebody, right? Well, I got to tell you, that was the greatest introduction I think I've ever received in my uh, life. (laughs) 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 Um, But yes, uh, we do want to take a moment uh, to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets for the 2017 season. 
Make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets uh, for updates on what they will have for fans on different away games and the different tailgate parties they'll have set up on the upcoming home games this year as well. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at Primesport. And again, that website is primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. I've uh, been working with the podcast for over a year now, so uh, a great friend of the site, a great friend of the pod, so make sure to uh, give them some clicks and check out what they have on the way. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in business for years, and their reputation, rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so right off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. They have the fastest payouts. It takes just two business days. So, again, check it out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code TOJ. If you join now, they'll match your deposit with up to a 100% cash bonus. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and use the promo code T-O-J. Now we have the business out of the way. So, Scott, what, what are we talking about tonight? 2017. That's what we're talking about, the 2017 <laughs> season. And I hear Dolvin laughing, and there's going to be a lot of laughing this year. I feel like it's going to almost be bad news bears level bad or maybe a little bit of the Cleveland Indians in the movie Major League before they realized that their owner was trying to sabotage them and they started playing well. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening because we kind of all know what Woody Johnson is, and he's not trying to relocate the team to Miami, at least as far as I know. So in the vein of 2017, fellas, what do you think? What's going to happen? I know, Dalbin, you seem to be a little bit more optimistic than most of us. Joe, you seem to be, I don't want to say pessimistic, but more in line with that vibe. What do you guys think? I'll let the boss go first. (laughs) I, so... My expectations for the team, and I'll put out my final uh, predictions in the next day or two before game one, but I think this team will probably win somewhere between three and five games. I think the front office has very clearly and blatantly stripped down this roster uh, with an eye towards next year, uh, trying to compile as much cap space and as much as many draft picks as possible. And I think you've seen that uh, with how they handled this offseason. It's been a little haphazard at times and a little I don't know I wouldn't say this has been the cleanest setup for a quote-unquote tank ever this team did try to sign Dante Hightower and Tony Jefferson in free agency and struck out uh this team did hang on to Eric Decker and David Harris oddly late into the offseason into May but really kick-starting with the decision to release those two uh this entire roster outside of Matt Forte simply because they can't find anyone to trade him to and Steve McClendon and, of course, starting quarterback Josh McCown are all under 30 years old. Uh, this team will have 80 to $90 million in payroll next year, and you see that in how this roster is currently constructed. And I think there's just a lot of question marks and unproven players position to position. Uh, Brandon Schell, at right tackle, has only started three games in his career and struggled about the entire preseason. Kelvin Beecham at left tackle. Uh, struggled a lot last year in Jacksonville and was cut only one year into what was a pretty big contract. You look around at the receiving group, Robbie Anderson, talented guy who had an encouraging rookie year, now being asked to be the team's lead receiver across from Jermaine Curse, who was acquired all four days ago. Originally, it did appear that Ardarius Stewart and Chad Hanson would be up behind those two 2017 draft picks with a chance to slide into a larger role, but the Jets made the odd decision to bring back 
veteran Jeremy Curley, which could get in the way of some of their playing time. Uh, across the rest of the offense, it was a promising summer for us. Austin Safari and Jenkins at tight end. Going to be suspended for two games. Uh, and then at running back, one of the probably more proven positions, because you still have Forte and you have the always underused Bilal Powell, but it is going to be difficult for the Jets because teams will stack the box against McCown, who is probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL week one. Uh, and there's not all that much proven talent behind him. Right now, Bryce Petty is probably the backup of a guy who struggled substantially last season. Uh, and the third stringer is Christian Hackenberg, who we will probably see at some point this year due to McCown and Petty probably getting banged up at some point or just being generally incompetent. Uh, defensively, I think this unit has the potential to be pretty good a top in the top half of the league. I do still think there are a lot of question marks uh, at the cornerback and linebacker position. Their lead corner is Morris Claiborne, who has missed over 25 games in the past three years. Behind him, you have Buster Screen, who has struggled substantially over the past couple of years. Justin Burris, who has never started a game in his life. Uh, Marcus Williams, who struggled last year and has been buried on the depth chart. And Daryl Roberts, who has a minimal amount of experience as well. And you look at the starting linebackers right now, they're counting on Darren Lee and Jordan Jenkins, two second-year players that make substantial strides. And next to them, you have a guy who's really been a special teamer his whole life, Josh Martin, and Demario Davis, who's been a below-average-to-average starter his entire career. So while there is still talent on the defensive line and a lot of hope at the safety position, they're still going to run into some issues because of linebacker and corner. Do I think this team is going 0-16? No. Do I think this team is going 1-15 like they did back in 96? No. I do think due to how their schedule is structured early in the year, due to having two games against Buffalo and two games against Jay Cutler, getting the chance to play Jacksonville, getting the chance to play Cleveland, and due to the NFL just being kind of screwy sometimes. The Jets had no business beating Baltimore last year with Geno Smith starting that game and Fitzpatrick playing the bulk of it, and they still found a way to win. So I do think, all things considered, this is probably a 4-12 and or 5-11 and team, but there are going to be some ugly ugly games when they're playing the New Englands and, and the Atlantas and the Carolinas of the world. But, you know, it's, football's back. And all you can do is watch and cheer for these young players and hope that the 2017 draft class shows a hell of a lot more than the 2015 draft class has for Mike McCagnin. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Joe nailed it 100%. I do think the biggest thing for me, and it's funny because, uh, Scott, you called it optimism, and I, I think for me, it, it's really weird because I've never seen a season where predicting six wins makes you the optimist, right? <laughs> because six wins is still a losing season. Um, but I think, so for me, when I was looking at their schedule, I mean, Joe, I looked at the, the two Buffalo games. I think Buffalo is trying to out-tank the tank, and I think sometimes what happens is you overthink this entire thing. Like, I wouldn't have moved Ronald Darby. I wouldn't have moved Sammy Watkins. I wouldn't have moved Reggie Ragland. I wouldn't have moved on from Cardell Jones because you because I, I get that the past regime had invested in him. But also, like, now essentially you're going from Tyrod Taylor. If he couldn't have played on Sunday, I know he's going to play, but you would have gone from him to Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman is garbage. And he's a very bad quarterback. And so it's, it, at times, like, they, they don't need to move any of these guys. They could have, tanked, they could have been under 500 without, with or without these guys. But now, essentially, like you're looking at a team that could be one and fifteen, two and fourteen. The defense isn't very good. Tre'Davious White, not very good either. He is your shutdown corner. And I do not think. I mean, we haven't heard that Robbie Anderson is going to be suspended, so Robbie Anderson is probably going to run by him a lot on Sunday. 
So I think you watch out for that. I think the fact that they get Jay Cutler once, that they get Jay Cutler twice, I think you can see them take one from Miami. I think the fact that they get Cleveland, Cleveland is a bad team. I get that a lot of people are enamored with a lot of what they've done, but let's not get it twisted. The Cleveland Browns are historically bad, and they are still a bad team. Are they positioned to be better going forward? Sure. You want more picks, obviously, because that's what helps. But realistically, is there anybody on that offense that scares you? Duke Johnson, maybe, but that's about it. Is there anybody on the defense that scares you? Jamie Collins, that's about it. And so I get that Miles Garrett's going to get a lot of pub, but realistically, you're a rookie coming in. Rookie pass rushers tend to not make that much of an impact. Then you're talking about Jacksonville. John Nidzik has done a fantastic job of building that young defense. A fantastic job. He would have done a great job here if he had kept them. But this is still a team that puts, that puts Blake Bortles under center and, and then wonders, like, oh, my God, why have we struggled? It's because of Blake Bortles, right? So those are things to obviously watch. They also have, a, like, I think you get them. And then you get San Diego late in the year. And for me, I like Phillip Rivers. I don't like, the, I, I don't like the fact that I'm banking on his receivers to be healthy, considering Keenan Allen was out last year. Mike Williams is, is battling some injuries. Antonio Gates, the ageless one, has been suddenly replaced by Hunter Henry. But then as soon as Gates was healthy, they went back to Gates and Ben Hunter Henry. And Melvin Gordon, who, yes, he had a really good year last year, but he's two years removed from a 3.6 yard per carry average. No, I don't bank on them either. So for me, I think the Jets are going to sneak some wins. I think that the, the NFL is always so topsy-turvy anyway because you always get a team that kind of comes out a little wonky and you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And you see it on the flip side, like, wow, I didn't know they were going to be that good. I didn't know they were going to be that bad. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have them at 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. I could see 7-9, and nine, like, if it gets really weird. Um, but I have them in that 5-6 range, which, again, makes me the optimist. But they're not picking top five. I do not believe that. We all acknowledge that this is going to be a tough season to be a Jets fan. Pretty much everybody, whether it's Dalbin at six wins, which again makes you a cockeyed optimist, which is amazing <laughs> to me. You know, the funny thing is the three of us, I think, are the most quote-unquote optimistic because, Joe, you said four or five games. I said four games. Dalbin, you said six. And everybody else is saying two or three games. So we're on the high end of this, which kind of really points out how sad this season is going to be. But ultimately, as you watch the Jets, you're going to have to find some things to make you want to watch again the next week. Because as masochistic as we all are as Jets fans, there's always got to be some bright spot, something to hang your hat on. So this season, even though we all acknowledge that there's about a 99% chance that the team's going to have a losing record, what are you looking at as the bright spots that are going to keep you coming back each week and saying, okay, I can watch this team. It's not the most pleasant thing in the world, but this guy's worth watching or that guy's worth watching or I like the way this guy does this. Who are going to be the guys that keep you coming back to watch each week? So for me, and I'll go before Joe just because it's my turn. And this is like when The Rock <laughs> stepped up in front of Farouk and said it's my turn. No, uh, for me, honestly, Elijah McGuire is a guy that I'm really excited to see. Um, I think that he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to be very good. Um, Jamal Adams is the alpha male, the alpha on this defense, the number one player on my board as of last, going into this draft. I think he's a guy that I'm excited to watch. I'm really excited to watch Leo Williams, though, because I think this is the year that he becomes a double-digit sack guy. I think that not having to rotate through with Sheldon Richardson is going to make things that much easier for him and for Muhammad Wilkerson. And I'll give you, I guess, a sleeper of sort, Austin Zafarian Jenkins. I'm, I'm a sucker for a really good story. And the fact that he had sobered up, he fought his demons, came out better for it, showed up in shape, and had a really good preseason that started in the spring with it, with with, uh, with OTAs and continued through preseason. I'm really excited to see him play. If he had a 
functional quarterback, I think you could be talking to a guy that makes – you could be talking about a guy that would make the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. So those are the two guys on offense, McGuire, Farron Jenkins, and on defense, I'm really looking forward to seeing Adams and Leo Williams. Yeah, I think offensively I'm excited to watch Robbie Anderson hopefully take, you know, the next step in showing that he's going to be a critical piece moving forward here uh, offensively. Uh, I'm always – I always enjoy watching Blau Powell play football. I don't know how much he is a part of the long-term plans, but when he is given opportunities, he always makes plays and is always, you know, uh, something that this team is in short order of. He's always fun to watch. So uh, those two guys uh, are not – bad pieces. I mean, they're going to suffer because of the quarterback and the offensive line at times. And, you know, I think Dalton is on with Safari and Jenkins. That could be a guy that turns out to be a really nice find off the waiver wire because he has the size and the speed that almost made him a first-round pick. And uh, you need a tight end in today's NFL. So for the Jets to potentially have something at that position uh, would be exciting. And, you know, again, I want to see the young receivers play. I was not crazy about taking Stewart in the third round, like the Hanson pick a little more. They both look good in the preseason. I want to see them get opportunities. I want to know what the Jets have as pass catchers for whoever the quarterback ends up being next year. Defensively, all eyes are going to be on Adams and May. Uh, it was an unconventional strategy to go safety-safety with your first two picks. Uh, it's one that is going to be criticized if those two guys are not do not show signs of being very productive and solving what has been a problematic position for the Jets for a long time. And Adams... You, know, you took this guy at number six, you're counting on him to look like he's going to be a future All-Pro. And he has an exciting combination of athleticism and instincts for the game that is going to be fun to watch at times. And you know, up front, as Dalton also mentioned, Leonard Williams is one of the better, if not the best, young defensive linemen in the NFL. And we're not going to have to deal with sort of this weird rotation of three guys with the same skill set. So Williams should be a guy who threatens for double-digit sacks this year. And I think my hope is just overall – this was a tough team to watch last year. It was listless. It was filled with overpaid veterans who were clearly checked out. The Jets are going to be bad this year, but you hope this is a young, hungry team who is competitive uh, and is not just being walked all over and finds a way to compete in weeks that teams that people don't expect them to have a, com- a chance to compete in. And that's only going to help you know happen obviously if there's improved game management, improved game planning on the sideline, which is you know something that remains to be seen. But you know, I do think this will be more enjoyable than watching Thoreau Rebus walk around and uh, put forth zero effort, which is what we saw last year from some of the other veterans. At least this will be a younger team out looking to try to prove itself. What are some storylines that you see playing out in 2017 that some people may not expect? There are going to be some surprises, whether it's a player or a coach or something that happens within the season, whether it's a trade or somebody surprisingly getting cut or someone getting fired, any of that. What do you see happening this season that people aren't going to see coming? I, I've been saying this for a while, and the Jets have made this prediction harder and how, how they've stripped down the roster since I initially said it. I would not be surprised to see the Jets get off to a better-than-expected start due to their schedule, led from mildly competent quarterback play from Josh McCown. So what I'm talking about is the Jets being like 2-4 and four or 3-3 and three, and the offense being slightly better than many expect because McCown is playing like okay. And I can already see some ridiculous chatter about, well, should the Jets extend McCown for a year? Uh, you know, should they make sure he's the starter the rest of the season? You know, he's playing well. Maybe he's worth keeping around. Obviously, at some point, the bottom is going to fall out, and that is going to get hurt. And we're going to see the young, we're going to see the young quarterbacks. But I would not shock me if there was some weird early season chatter around that. I am sure, sure, in the back half of the year, 
there will be some types of debates around whether the Jets should give Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg the reins next year and not use their pick on a quarterback, rather instead build around those guys. You know how I feel or where I land on that debate, but I'm sure those discussions will come up at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think the – I'll go a different route. I think the the unfair hot seat for Todd Bowles, I think, becomes a story, and I think that it's kind of ridiculous because one of the things that I that I, I do feel doesn't get talked about enough is the fact that Mike McCadden has decided to essentially not give Todd Bowles a full deck. Now, obviously, this is when we're going to find out how good a coach he is, right, because I think you can – you can utilize smoke and mirrors to get wins. We saw Rex Ryan do it with Geno Smith and essentially a worse team than this is, I feel like, almost to an extent. Like, I feel like this team has more talent on defense than that team that Rex got eight wins out of during Geno's rookie year. So you want to see Bowles kind of manage, maximize the talent and prove that he deserves to be here. But I also do find it very funny that Todd Bowles is the one who everybody talks about letting go and not the fact that Mike McCagman has continuously whiffed on draft picks. And a lot of people sit here, and I've seen it so many times, and say, See, look, look, look at the Jets. 20, 20 of McCagman's draft picks are on the roster. Compare them to Ted Thompson and compare them to Elway, who had to cut young guys. And it's like, yeah, do you know the reason that, they, that these guys stick? is because the roster is so bad. Like, you can't cut these guys because you need them, essentially. Whereas Elway, Elway's built up such a good team in Denver that he can cut um, he can cut C.J. Ward because he has a safety already that he's developed for the last year that can step in and take over for him. So I think, for me, it's going to be interesting to watch that, to watch how much black bowls get, how much blame bowls get, for if, for if this team does start off on, 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 on an off foot. But then the flip side, if they start out like Joe was saying, three and three through the first six, how much how much credit do you give Bowles? That's going to be interesting to watch too, because I think he's been dealt a crappy hand in this season. We're going to find out just how good a coach he really is, though. So that's the first one. The second thing is, how quick do people start calling for the extension for Josh McCown? I've seen it every year. It feels like you know, there's been like the, he's the next mediocre quarterback to get a T-shirt designed up for him and for people to start clamoring for him to come back. And for me, I've seen this movie play out. I do not want to go through this again because I think what you're going to see with this team is that ideally you would want you would have wanted Hackenberg to do something with the with the opportunities he was given. He didn't. So now the next best thing is I need you I need you to go all in, go all in on Josh Rosen. He is he is the number one quarterback in college. He was for me entering the the year and it didn't change anyway. So now if you're going to sit here and sell me Josh McCown. I'm gonna to need to go to. I'm gonna to need to go find Woody Johnson in London and have a couple couple choice words for him because I'm not. I'm not sitting through another year of Josh McCown next year thinking, yeah, no, see, we got to go all in with all free agents and Josh McCown. I'm not doing that. So those are gonna be the two the two interesting stories for me. Bowles is fake hot seat, and how quick do you call for the extension from McCown from the fan base? Well, first of all, thanks a lot to both of you. I think I'm gonna have night tremors now because of the idea of Josh McCown getting a contract extension. So really appreciate that one. <laughs> I think everybody in my apartment complex thanks you for that one as well. But moving along, I've got to ask this, and I'll throw it to you first, Dalbin, because we all know that not only are you a future city councilman, but you are also going to be the first person to write for Turn on the Jets to one day be elected president. So <laughs> if you were president not of the United States but of the Jets, you run the Jets, yeah. it's all at your whim, okay? What would be your strategy going forward after the 2017 season is over, what would you do with the cap space? What would you do with the draft picks? Are there any specifics? And also, I'm going to throw three names out at you. And Joe, obviously, same question to you once President Osario is finished answering. The question is, these three names, Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnin, 
Christian Hackenberg. Are any of them here in 2018? Are all of them here? Are none of them here? So I'll answer that the, the questions first, and then I'll give you what I would do if I was in charge. And it's a perfect segue. I think Bold and McCagnan stay. I think Hackenberg is cut. Um, I think Bold and McCagnan. I think McCagnan. I don't believe in firing general managers after two seasons. I don't care what billboards tell you to do. I don't, I'm not a fan of that because what that does is that creates. You've now opened the door, so to speak, and we touched on this in the mega show. You know when we when we talked with Kyle, you and me, Scott. Now that you've built billboards and now have shown that you are not willing to be patient as a fan base, you have now made it okay for you to fire a GM after two years. So when I don't hear people talk about firing McCagnin, I'm shocked because I'm like, why? His picks have been almost as have been even as worse as Isaac. But I do think they're both here because I do think Jamal Adams saves his job. I think Marcus May saves his job. I think Elijah McGuire saves his job. And I think the fact that Bryce Petty is now a essentially, and Joe, I mean, we've talked about this, essentially a confident backup, right? Like, he's not a great quarterback. He's not a guy that you would want to put out there for 16 games. But in a year, he's put in more work than Christian Hackenberg to be a better quarterback than he was last year. So those players save McCagney's job. I think those players also end up saving Bowles' job. And so I think he's back. I think Hackenberg is cut because I do think that, and this is going to sound crazy, I think the Jets do bring back Josh McCown next year as a backup. I think they bring him back as a backup to Lamar Jackson. So everybody wants to talk about Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and David Falls and Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield, and I get that. After Rosen, Lamar Jackson is the second best, the, the, the best quarterback in college football. It is him. He's gotten better as a passer. Everybody wants to say he's too small. He's not. He's got prototypical size. He's still filling out. He's still very young. So, I, one, I don't think the Jets are picking first. I don't think they're picking in the top five. However, if they're picking 10 or 11, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. He's the guy that I'm taking. If I need to sit him behind McCown for a couple games, that's fine. I'll keep Bryce Petty as insurance in case he's banged up. Christian Hackenberg has no place on this team going forward. That's what I do. With the cap space, There's like you could try and go get Allen Robinson, right, because he may hit the market, and Jacksonville may decide to not pay him. So maybe you go get him to pair him with Kintianua and Robbie Anderson, but then you also still have Jermaine Curse, and then you also have our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen. Wasting a third and a fourth-round pick on your fifth and sixth wide receivers doesn't really make much sense. So I think that takes them out of the Allen Robinson running. I think could you see them go after a guy like Kirk Cousins if they're not enamored with the draft? Sure, but I think that's a fool's errand, spending money on Kirk Cousins when you haven't built up the infrastructure around them. You will have enough cap space to do that, so that's a curveball for me to watch. But I think if I was the president of the Jets, Lamar Jackson is the guy I'm drafting in the top ten. If I decide to not go quarterback, if I sign Kirk Cousins, I'm drafting Arden Key or Connor Williams. Those are the two guys that I would aim for. And I would spend on the offensive line, enough of, enough half-pass in the effort, spend on the offensive line, so that way whatever quarterback we stick back there can be kept up right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I would say if you had to ask me today, I think there is a, a slightly less than 50% chance Todd Bowles will be back and a slightly higher than 50% chance Mike McCadden will be back. I don't necessarily agree with those percentages. I think both of them are equally culpable for the team's struggles right now, and I have not seen anywhere near from enough McCadden at this point to believe that he is the guy who should – steer the ship on this rebuild for the next, you know, two, three, four years, whatever it's going to take. But I do think ultimately he will probably be back. And if Bowles finds a way to five or six wins, I think he'll probably be back too. Although, again, I do think as of today, that's probably less than a 50% chance overall. For the Jets, I think you're going to have nine picks next year. You'll probably be picking somewhere in the top eight to nine, anywhere in that range. 
I think you've got to do what it takes to go get your quarterback. I think you need to, you know, see obviously how the board is going to break. But if there's someone you want to go get, you know, at three or four, go get him. Do what some of these other teams have done in recent years. This position needs a legitimate swing taken at it. Use your money that you have pushed aside. Invest in the offensive line. Use the free agent. Use free agency. Use the trade market. Use your other early round picks that you would still have left over. Focus on the offensive line to put a better infrastructure around uh, for that young quarterback uh, and continue to build young pieces around uh, the rest of the offense. This team will also need to make additions uh, at cornerback and linebacker next offseason, and they'll have the money to go out and be aggressive and go sign one or two offensive linemen, go sign another corner, and hopefully go sign another linebacker to potentially get in the mix. But I think next year's draft, you need to – find a way to get yourself in position to get a quarterback because Bryce Petty isn't the long-term answer. Christian Hackenberg isn't the long-term answer. Josh McCown certainly isn't the long-term answer. And unless you have some crazy ambitious plan built around giving a, you know, a hundred million dollar contract to either Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo, if the Pats decide that Brady's going to be their quarterback the next three years and they're going to let Garoppolo hit free agency, you got to go get your quarterback in the draft uh, and then use your relative, the money that you have recruited in free agency to put a, a solid offensive line in front of them, and then you just take it from there. We saved the best for last, and of course, I'm talking about the boss, Joe Caparoso, and his chief <laughs> lieutenant, and soon to be president of the United States, Dalvin Asario. Now we know not only what he would do as president of the United States, but what he would do if he was president of the Jets, and I think that that is a fitting end to a fitting show. I hope you've enjoyed this preview of the 2017 season. And let's all hope that this season ends up at least being more entertaining than some of us think it might be. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to visit us at TurnOnTheJets.com and make sure you listen to all the Turn On The Jets digital programs, including mine, Play Like A Jet, every single Friday, available on iTunes at TurnOnTheJets.com, going through the greatest moments in New York Jets history, the mothership with Dalbin and Joe. That is the Turn On The Jets podcast. Of course, we've got the new one, the Jet Take with Kyle and Ben. It's a live call-in show every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And finally, last but not least, the show that may actually be the most important show of all because of where the Jets are headed, and that is draft season with Dalbin and Jeff Lloyd as they break down the 2018 draft all throughout the 2017 season. And if you're a Jets fan, you do not want to miss any of that. Make sure you follow everybody on Twitter. And thanks again for tuning into this. Really appreciate it. And really looking forward to interacting with everybody throughout the 2017 season.